Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for the songwriters that you anointed to write the songs that we have sung today. We thank you that every word that has come out of our mouth in the form of song has been honoring you and giving glory to your name. We're thankful, Lord God, for for all the things you've done and all the things you will do. Lord, help us to have an attitude of gratitude. So today as we open up your scripture and we look at this, this short song, I pray that you open our eyes and open our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that the word of God would come alive to us. And that you would allow me to speak the words that have been divinely appointed by you. And I pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Well, this will be one last gasp. I don't know why I use that slide. It's it's uh, crooked, and it's crooked by design. So anyway, we can't straighten it. Uh, we'll get past it here in a minute. Uh, uh, one last gasp of Thanksgiving today. This is, I guess, technically Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, but I was thinking about, uh, as, as Adam has alluded to, we have a lot that's happened and is currently happening and yet to happen in 2020 that would lead to consternation on our part. And yet God calls us to give thanksgiving or to give thanks. And sometimes that's hard to do. I've entitled this message, Raise Your Ebenezer. There we go. We're not crooked anymore. And I did ask the worship team to sing the last hymn that we did. Uh, by the way, Sean, uh, the Matt Papa, Matt Boswell songs were probably written in 2016, 17. Uh, that song, Come Thou Fount, was written in 1757. A little older. But anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, we'll get to the reading of this psalm in a moment. But this is a psalm that pivots on Thanksgiving. It's a psalm that has at its axis the idea and the action on our part of thanksgiving. And the focus of this psalm directs our attention to God himself. You know, we talk about songs around here, and the songs that make me nervous are the ones that talk about us too much. The ones that make me feel the spirit of God are the ones we talk about God and worship God. As I've said a couple weeks ago, sometimes in the church we have created a God who worships humans. We need to be humans who worship God. So the focus of this psalm as we read it, and this psalm's only five verses, is upon God himself. And we'll talk just a little bit about avoiding the misplacement of our gratitude. That's probably not a, 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 the right word, but I'll get to that, and maybe we'll straighten that out later on. And then this psalm teaches us, that we enter into his presence by singing, by gladness, and thanksgiving. And in an hour when we have lived in an interesting year, and in an hour when we we have some of this year left, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know that uh, January the 1st is going to change a whole lot. Adam says it's going to come in with a bang. Maybe extra fireworks, I don't know. Uh, but in an hour of this type, we need Psalm 100. 
just a side note, when we were beginning in the early 70s, when I was beginning in the early 70s to learn to sing worship choruses and uh, we used to say, turn in your King James hymnal to, and we'd sing us. Well, this was one of the ones we would do that. We'd say, turn in your King James hymnal to Psalm 100 and we'd sing this psalm. And, uh, it's a good night, almost 50 years ago now. But I want to read it today. I'm not going to sing it. If you would stand. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. I'm going to make one little correction as I go. Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Maybe that's the bang we're looking for. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Is he who made us and we are his. A better translation there is we are his. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. You can be seated. Now may the Lord add his anointing and his revelation to the reading of the word. But this psalm starts in verse 1 by addressing the idea of making a joyful noise. Uh, uh, when I was in high school, we used to joke as, as, as part of the Baptist church, we used to joke that we were God's frozen people. And, uh, you know, we could do that about ourselves. Nobody else could do it, but... Uh, sometimes people get nervous in church if people want to make a little noise, clap their hands or shout or, or whatever. Uh, I get nervous when people want to run down the aisles. That's a, you know, that's a whole different topic, but <laughs> make a joyful noise to God. Um, and, and when you talk about making a joyful noise to God, we're talking about praise. Everybody say praise. praise. That is verbalized. As a matter of fact, I don't know that there's any such thing other than the trees. I don't know if there's any such thing as praise that is not verbalized by humans. And if we're going to praise God, it, we praise him with our words. We praise him with our song. Um, you're, uh, I'm sorry, I wanted to go ahead and read Psalm 95 uh, real quick. It's just turn back to the left. Uh, and it's a very, it's very uh, similar. Psalm 95 verse 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And then if you'll just turn back to 98 real quick. So I just want you to hear these words. I want us to hear these words. It says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done. You know how you can sing a new song? Because God's done something in your life today, yesterday, tomorrow. God's done something in your life and your song is now a new song. Maybe the same words, but it's a new song. He's done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, 
all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. The world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to the earth and he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. All, all, all facets of praise. Let the rivers praise God. Let the sea, let the, let the people shout with joy. You musical instruments. Let the musical instruments praise God. In, uh, in, back to Psalm 100 in verse 1, it says, make a joyful noise in the New American Standard this, there says to shout joyfully. And, you know, it's not just shouting just for the sake of noise, but how many of you know, uh, I, I watched, I read this morning that the Alabama coach, Nick Saban, had to, had to watch his team play yesterday at home while watching on TV because he had tested positive for COVID-19. And then the NCAA has a rule that he could not coach the team from home. You know, FaceTime, he could not coach it. So he had to let an assistant coach the game. But I saw this morning where he said he did watch it on TV, and a couple of times he was yelling at the TV. Now, I know nobody else who watches sports does that. Shout joyfully to God because you have a reason to be joyful. Sound, and really the word there when it says shout joyfully or, or, or make a joyful noise, the word there in the Hebrew, it literally means to sound the battle cry, sound the trumpet, sound the alarm. Why? Because we're praising God. Not an alarm, there's something bad going on. Sound the alarm, sound the battle cry, because as someone alluded to earlier, praise is our weapon. Our weapon is a melody. Praise. Sound the battle cry. And then he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now you say, well, how else would you serve God? Hey, I've seen plenty of people, and you have too, who were serving God begrudgingly. Well, I got to do this because it's expected of me. You know what? If you're just doing something because it's expected, I just assume you not do it. And God feels the same way. Serve the Lord with gladness in your heart. Why wouldn't you be glad? Good night. Of all the stuff we, we have sung today and we've read today and we've heard today, why wouldn't we be glad? With all that God has done for us and through us. A servant is one who acts at the bidding of a superior. God is our superior. I hope you know that. Let me just inform you. God is our superior. Let's just say that together. God is our superior. He's Lord. Someone said, why does God act like that? Well, he's got this funny notion that he's God. I just thought of a really bad joke, but I'm not going to take time to tell it. <laughs> but I am going to ask you a question, and the question is, are you glad? Are you really glad? Well, open up your checkbook 
and look in it and then tell me you're glad. Look at your fill in the blank. Are you glad? Or are you waiting on that thing or that occurrence or that person that might make you glad? If God's work in your life cannot make you glad, then you don't have a glad muscle. Or at least it's very weak. Serve the Lord with gladness. How do you do that? You remember. You pay attention. What in the world has he done in your life? I love the words, and I'm going to refer to this probably several times. Uh, it may not have been this one. Let me see. Well, what, what we were, we sang a song earlier about God. Oh, here it is. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, which is why we don't sing the song around here. I found Jesus because we there, we, we went looking for him. He found us and we responded. He, he sought me when I was a stranger, when I was outside his family, he sought me. Gladness in our heart leads to singing. If you're glad, you, you will sing. Now, some of you would probably need to sing when people are not around. But, but gladness leads to singing because our heart overflows and singing brings us into his presence. We need to be singing with a glad heart, singing from a glad heart. Um, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing. Everybody say singing. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. The key to that, just may surprise you, the key to that, I don't have a slide for that. We having problems? Oh. Y'all write that down as it goes by. <laughs> hey, what's going to surprise you in my mind, the key to that verse is not the part about singing with gladness. The key to that verse is the part that says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of God, let that dwell in you richly. And then you'll be able to teach and admonish and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing them with thankfulness in your heart to God. There's examples in scripture of singing in dire situations. You've heard me reference several times. Paul and Silas are arrested because they cast the demon out of a girl. They put it, they put them in jail, but you know why? Because they were getting into people's pocketbooks because she was their cash cow. And I'm not saying she was a cow. I'm just saying she was the source of income that she would use her demonic gift to predict things. And they were making money off of her and Paul cast a demon out of her and then away with their business. Well, they put him in jail, put them in jail. And here's Paul and Silas in jail. Now, if you've ever been in a, been to a prison, I hope you've never been in one. That's all right. If you have, if you've been in one, the good news is I got a sneaking suspicion you're out. I'm, I may be fat, but I'm slow. My wife loves it when I say that. 
But this prison was a dark, it was a dark dungeon. Uh, it wasn't any amount of masks that was going to help those folks. It was, it was vile. And so they're in this prison and they're sitting around and Paul says to Silas, Silas says to Paul, what are we going to do? And Paul said, I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What? I'm going to sing. And I'm, I'm sure Silas said, you're going to sing at a time like this. The door's locked. All these people, all these rats and mice crawling all over the place. Who knows what else? And you're going to sing. Yes, I'm going to sing. Won't you sing with me? I'm going to sing with you. So they began to sing at midnight. And you know what happened? Earthquake. Yeah, really. It wasn't an earthquake. It said God bowled a strike in heaven. <laughs> the doors flew open. And I can't get into the whole story, but the jailer sees the doors open. He really, he, he knows that all the prisoners must have escaped. So he went to com- commit suicide and they said, oh, hold up. We're still here. And he accepts Christ. That's another story. But they were singing in the midst of a dire situation. In Psalm one, I just, I just t- don't turn, don't bother turning, but I just want to give you, I'm sorry, Psalm three. I can't even read. David, and by the way, if you would read all 150 Psalms, you would find that a lot of them were written out of David's dire circumstances. Let's just listen to some of these words. How many are my foes? Many are rising against me. You, O Lord, are the shield about me. Um, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me. I would not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me. And he goes on and on. For you you strike all my enemies on the cheek. He's writing Psalm 3 out of a dire situation. And yet he's exalting God in the midst of that. Sometimes, hold on now, just hang on. Sometimes we are... I enjoyed my trip, by the way. Sometimes... We are in the midst of a situation when we, when all we can see around us are ashes. I don't remember which song we sang today that talked about the ashes. Sometimes we look around us and all we see is ashes. People, that's the time to climb out of those ashes and begin to give thanks and praise to God. That's the time. The Bible says he'll give you beauty for ashes, by the way. That's the time to not complain and whine and and wonder, where is God? I'll tell you where God is. He's the same place he's been all the while, waiting on you to call on him, waiting on you to praise him. As you can see on the screen, singing brings victory. You want to you get through something? Now, by the way, you may not change your circumstances at all. You may not change your situation, but you want to get through something with victory? Sing. Now, that does remind, remind me of a bad joke that I will tell. <laughs> Y'all have heard it. But the guy is called into the ministry, and he's about ready to get married. And he has two choices, two ladies, that he could marry either one of them. One of them is a lady who is just as beautiful as she could be. <clears throat> she can't sing a lick. And he's going to go on the road as an evangelist. He needs a wife who can sing and you know play the piano and do things. 
Then he has another lady who is not so comely. She's not, uh, well, she's just not as pretty as the other girl. Well, buddy, she can play a piano and sing like a songbird. And he's having a tough time knowing which one of these girls to marry. But he finally decides, for the sake of his ministry, that he's going to have to marry the girl who's not quite as pretty, uh, not much to look at, but she can sing. And she played piano, and she would be a valid asset to his ministry. So they get married, and they go on their honeymoon, and he wakes up the next morning. He looks over at his new bride, and he says, sing, baby, sing. You'll get that in a minute. Sing. Singing brings victory. Watch this. Second Chronicles 20. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Don't miss this. They're about to come up against an army that's going to want to attack them. They are facing a dire situation. And God says, instruct them, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Okay. The next verse says this, and when they began to sing and praise, don't miss this. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. When they began to sing, the power of God was released. You know why? Because they had moved themselves out of the way. And they had, through singing and praise and glory, they had moved out of the way so that God could move in the way and set the ambush. Most of the time, God is wanting us to get out of the way. Can I tell you that on your throne of life, there's only room for one. And as long as you're sitting on the throne of your life, Jesus cannot operate as your Lord because you're your Lord. You're the one. When they began to sing, they got a victory. So why do we shout? Why do we serve? Why do we sing? He tells us that in verse, in verse three. He said, the Lord, he is God. Now sometimes we go over that and say, yeah, okay, he's God. No, he's God. He's God. He's potentate. He's the master of the universe. He's the creator of all there that is. He is the one who sits on the throne. He is the one, the scripture says, who sits above the circle of the earth. He is the one who governs in the affairs of men. He is the one. He is God. Everybody say that together. He is God. Don't miss that. You say, well, I already knew that. Well, I want you to really know it. But not only is he God, he's the one who made us. How about that? Do I not have a slide for that, Jaden? Okay. Adam, poke him every now and then and wake him up. <laughs> the Lord is God, and he is the one who has made us. And not we ourselves. Simple. You say, well, that's, that seems like a simple truth. Well, it's so simple we miss it sometimes and we forget it because we think we made ourselves. We had nothing to do with it. 
you know, we, we didn't create ourselves. We couldn't create ourselves. God made you. Only makes sense that you give yourself back to him. He says, we, we are his people and we're his sheep. We're his flock. What does that mean? That means that he cares for you. That means he's taking care of you. He's taking care of all of us. And so the next verse tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks. Uh, No matter what you're going through, no matter what your day looks like, if you start your day off every day, did I do a video on that this week? I did. I did a video on that this week, a midweek video. If you start your day off with thanksgiving, we we sang the song, this is the day the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice. Now he didn't know, the, the psalmist didn't know what kind of day that looked like. And some of you have gotten up and you get put your feet on the floor and the day ahead of you was one you that you wanted to say, boy, I wish I could have avoided this one. Sometimes I go into bank over here and say, how y'all doing? Well, it's Monday. I hate to break it to them. God made Mondays too. Give thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. As I alluded to earlier, Robert Robinson uh, was a, a child whose father either died or went away, and he had a really rough upbringing. And he was a he was a rounder, as we like to say. And one night, some of his friends uh, were going to go to hear George Whitfield preach, and they their intent was to heckle him. Their intent was to interrupt the meeting. If you've never heard of George Whitfield, he's one of the greatest preachers that that ever lived and preached the gospel. And and uh, the people all over the world have given their heart to the Lord Jesus because of the preaching of George Whitfield, where they went to hear him. And rather than heckle him, the scripture reading and the preaching got to Robert Robinson's heart. Now he didn't immediately accept Christ, but the but the seed was planted by the preaching of George Whitfield. And two years later, in 1757, he wrote. Come thou fount of every blessing. And in that song, you noticed it says that I will raise my Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Now he's not talking about Scrooge. Not talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. He said, I will raise my Ebenezer. The Ebenezer, well, I'll read you the verses. I have slides for those. Okay. Uh, the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and drew them into confusion and they were routed before Israel. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. The word Ebenezer is simply a word that means stone of help. So what does it mean that he said, I'm going to raise my Ebenezer? An Ebenezer was, he set up a, a formation of rocks. We don't really know what they look like, or maybe one rock, I don't know. But it was a memorial, it was a reminder that when they saw those rocks, they remembered that the Lord helped them. And you need to have Ebenezers in your life. Thanksgiving Day is a great Ebenezer. We should be thankful all year long. But we take that one day a year, which my wife and I say it's our favorite holiday because they hadn't figured out what to do with it yet. 
you know, Christmas is all ruined because it, it's just about marketing. But Thanksgiving is still about Thanksgiving. And that one day a year we pause and we look at that Ebenezer and it says to us, thank God. Give thanks to God. Now, have an Eb- you, you may be, you may turn down the road where you live and all of a sudden you're grateful. Uh, Joy just told me this morning they're building a house. You, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tell you where they're living because you may want to go. Anyway, egg their house that's not there. <laughs> you may turn down a road where you're, where you're, you got that house that you've always wanted. And every time you turn down that road, when you see the pavement, you're reminded to thank God for that house. You get in your vehicle and you're driving down the road and you see someone over here with a nice vehicle and you think, I'm grateful for this vehicle. Ebenezer's. We need to have Ebenezer's all through life. I don't mean Scrooge. I mean rocks. I mean memorials. Something to remind us to be thankful and grateful to God. Because we have plenty to remind us why we shouldn't be. And then there's, you know, just one example. The Feast of Tabernacles that the Jewish people would enter into was a time to thank God for the harvest and the provision that his gave his people in the wilderness. Just a time to mark that. Thanksgiving isn't only for the past blessing. We should have a present heart of thanksgiving. And that's what I meant by misplaced gratitude. We should thank God for what has happened in the past. But we should also live now with a heart of thanksgiving. We just read that earlier. We should live now for a heart of thanksgiving. Because why? And we'll read it in a moment. Because God is faithful. God is dependable. And God is there. Too often we focus on what we don't have instead of what we have gained. We focus on what we didn't get. We focus on what we don't have. We focus on who we don't have. We focus on all that instead of what God has done in our life and what God is doing in our life. My wife and I have a friend named Janice Sink. She wrote recently in a blog, when we focus on yesterday's loss, we reduce our capacity to receive today's blessing. Where is your focus? Where are you focused in your life? Are you focused on what you lost or what you didn't get? Or are you focused on God and what he's done in your life? And what he's doing in your life? And what he will do in your life? So why? David writes these verses, one, two, three, four, enter his gates, and then he finishes up with the why. The why is that for the Lord is good. We read that earlier. For the Lord is good. Do you believe God is good? Now, see, that's a nice religious answer that we would automatically give. But do you really in your heart, don't answer me now, do you really in your heart believe that God is good? Regardless of what your life looks like, is God good? Sometimes we have to be careful. We say, well, I got a raise at work and I got this and I got that. Boy, it's God so good. Well, is God still good if you watch your sister die in a concentration camp? Is he still good? Corey Ten Boom said, yes, he's still good. God is good. So we rejoice and we, we worship him. 
He gives us three valid reasons to offer our praise to God. First, that he is good. Second is that his covenant love lasts forever. When, when you're joined to God through the, through the welding power of the Holy Spirit, when you're joined to God through the new birth being born from above by the Spirit of God, you have entered into a covenant with God Almighty. Think about it. A covenant with the God who made the universe and made you. And this is a God who never, everybody say never, never breaks covenant. You don't have to worry that you're going to wake up one morning and God says to you, well, I don't, I don't love you anymore. I'm kicking you to the curb. That's not the God we serve. He's, his covenant lasts forever. And you see that in the words, his steadfast love endures forever. The word there is hesed. I can't say it right like it should be said, but it's the Hebrew counterpart to the word agape. It's, it's an unconditional, everlasting love that will never go away, will never be tainted. It's always there. No matter what you do, hear me, no matter what you do, God's covenant love is still given to you and honored by God himself. And then he says his faithfulness is to all generations. Faithfulness. Because he's a covenant God, he's faithful. You can always know that God is there. You can always know that God is at work. And you may not understand what you're going through right now. You may not understand what you're going to go through next month. You may not see. You may be asking yourself, where is God in all of this? Well, I don't know all the answers to that, except I can say this. God is faithful. And God is good. And regardless of what you're handling today, he's still faithful and he's still good. He says he's faithful. That's the enduring character. And we see in and we're going to close. We see in Exodus 34, the enduring character that's spoken by God in, in uh, Exodus 34, 6. God in speaking to, to Moses and saying, I'm going to show you my glory. God says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to turn you, I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to put my hand over you and I'm going to pass by with my back to you, which interestingly enough was still so much glory that Moses went up white, uh, black headed and came down white headed. And that's not what happened to me, but that's what happened to Moses. And then God began to declare who he is to Moses. He said, I am a God of compassion. Or you could say mercy. You could say mercy there. He said, I'm a God who's gracious or full of grace. This is your God, people. This is my God. I'm a God who's slow to anger. Don't miss that he never gets angry. But but know that he's slow to anger. He's slow to that place of righteous indignation. He said, I'm a God abounding in mercy. Mercy is active compassion. I'm a God who is embraces the truth or faithfulness to the truth. Why is that so important? Because it's truth that gives us stability. It's truth that gives us an anchor to hold on to. Please 
embrace, as, the, as I quoted last week, I don't remember when, buy the truth and sell it not. Hold on to the truth. Seek the truth and hold on to it. God is abounding in true faithfulness. And then the last thing we just addressed is his covenant faithfulness or his Lord, not the last thing, but his covenant faithfulness or his loyalty to you. God will be loyal to you even when you're not loyal to him. Now, he will judge you. <laughs> he will judge you. He will punish you. He will He will do whatever it takes to bring you back. And you've heard me say thousands of times that judgment is God's mercy. And judgment is intended not to crush you or annihilate you, but judgment is intended to bring you back. It's God's mercy and God's love and God's covenant faithfulness to you. When you stray and when you go your own way, it's God's love and faithfulness and mercy that's going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring you back. Because that's who he is. And of course, the last thing that he tells Moses is that he forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. He forgives. Did you hear me say that? He forgives. And he says to us, because I forgave you, you have to forgive others. Well, how am I I supposed to forgive somebody? You forgive them the same way Jesus forgave you. If you can stand before God, if you stand before the throne of God and say you never needed to be forgiven of your sin, then you're you're, uh, free to not forgive anybody. But if you can stand before God's throne and recognize that you needed to be forgiven of your sin, then you have an obligation to forgive others of their sin. God's a God God who's forgiven. If he wasn't a forgiving God, none of us would be here. We would be out of our misery. But he is. He forgives iniquity, he forgives transgression, and he forgives sin. And that's why it's so easy to praise him and to glorify him. Let's see. i tell you what, Sean, let's bring the band up and let's close out with a song. I mean, we've been talking about singing all this time. While he's coming, let me read these words. Here I'll raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. I mean, what better time to sing? We're not in a, we're not in a prison. We're not in a jail. Uh, we're not in, in a situation that we're close to where they are, but what better time to sing than to sing now? So let's join with the worship team. And let's sing with a grateful heart and a thankful heart to God. Come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet from my flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming.
state of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for being here today. We love you. Thanks for all the things that we have to be thankful for, but mostly for your word and for your son, Jesus Christ, and for your spirit to go with us as we go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Play it again. One, two, three. 